Hello, and welcome back to Bucket List Bums. I'm Riley. And I'm Haley. And I'm Rachel. And we're back. It's been a while. We will give you an update. Since the last time we recorded, Riley and I actually lived together. (laughs) Yeah, lived together for what, three months? Three or four, yeah. And... We were in Texas, in Europe, in Morocco, and all over the place. So it was just really busy and chaotic. And I tried to get a new job, and then I quit that job, and then (laughs) there was a lot going on. I dog sat for two weeks. (laughs) Well, we've got Rachel here because she's our unpaid intern. (laughs) Yeah, she's kind of taking over our Instagram a little bit to try to vamp us up, get us some exposure. Well, for reference she does marketing for a living so it makes sense that a marketing person would take over marketing and we'll be going on future trips together so why not and i also i don't know about everybody else but i kind of thought our puerto rico podcast was funnier than they normally are i don't know because we're a vibe all three of us together we're a trio (laughs) so after such a long break i think the elephant in the room is that we were in an earthquake in Morocco, and we're just about to hit two weeks out. I think it'll be two weeks tomorrow tomorrow as we record. Yeah, I think it's time to kind of talk about it. Rachel's going to ask us some questions just so we're not like kind of quickly recanting our experience. So we were in Morocco for 12, 10 or 12 days. 11 or, yeah, 11 or 12 days. For those of you who follow us on Instagram, you kind of know that we ended our trip in Marrakesh, so you know this is not our first stop on the trip, but we wanted to address the earthquake first because it is still so recent and so fresh to us, and we didn't think it would be good to talk about the rest of the country and how much we loved it and then get to the natural disaster. So we're going to talk about kind of what we lived through and what we saw And then we'll get more into how you can help. This was on September 8th. Yeah, September 8th. We had two full days left. One was traveling back to Casablanca. So we had one full day kind of of just our trip left. So I'm grateful for that because we got to experience the country prior to this. Because, you know, once this kind of thing happens, trip's over. You're not going to really enjoy your time after that. So, we were in Marrakesh at the time of the earthquake, which was 44 miles from the epicenter. We were staying in the Medina, which is the part that was kind of hit the hardest because those buildings are really old. And kind of the dynamic of how they're built is they are all kind of connected with no outer windows. And they have an, like an inner, like a, like a pool, kind of like a courtyard, but yeah, no outer windows towards the outside because they're all connected but like I said we were about how far would you say we were from that main square probably not even five minute walk oh no I was gonna go like maybe 200 feet yeah I was gonna say we were really close to the main square I would have given us maybe a 45 second walk to the main square not even five minutes maybe five minutes from our hotel room which was on the fourth floor so the earthquake happened at, I believe it was reported at 11.14 p.m. on September 8th, which I would say is pretty dead on. So it was dark outside. It was late 
for everyone. What were you doing? Were you sleeping or were you awake? So Haley had just finished her 27-step face routine. And <laughs> of course. <laughs> she had just laid down and plugged her phone in, and I had the bathroom to myself, finally. So I was washing my face, and when this all went down, I ran downstairs with suds all over my face because the earth is shaking. I can't keep Literally. washing. Yeah, so we were getting ready for bed, but there was a mixed array of, like, what people were doing. Like, there were people coming in the square with underwear on, and there were people coming in with, like, going out attire, because it was a Friday night. What did you think it was, Riley, when it was happening? I knew what it was. I knew you it knew was, immediately? I, yeah, I knew it, it was an earthquake, because it was progressive. Like, it, it was, like, slow at first, and then it got more aggressive as the seconds went on, and so I knew. I knew immediately. I don't know about you. What do you think? I think it was one of those where your body kind of knows what it is as soon as it happens. But in my mind, I was like, this can't be what I think it is. Because it's worst case scenario that it is an earthquake. And so I was like, there's no way this is what I think it is. And actually in the building that the Art Riyadh was attached to, they had construction going on. So at first I thought they were just like drilling into a wall. I thought, because oh, we, we were woken up <laughs> that, that so morning annoying. by like hammering. And you could like hear it vibrating our wall. So I thought for a second they were jackhammering something in that building. Like, I vaguely remember this, almost like it was a dream, but I've heard other people talk about it. I think we had an aftershock here in North Carolina at one point, and I do remember feeling a little bit. It wasn't a lot. Like, obviously, it was like we weren't in the, like, main region, but they had warned of, like, the aftershocks hitting. I've felt one before. I know I have. So you mean, like, you felt an aftershock? I felt the earth shaking before. Okay. So I had never. I do remember. Um, do you remember that? Like, yes. am I tripping? We like, were in high school. And it was, it was, was just vaguely like, and then it was done. I was in my bed and I thought someone was underneath my bed mm -hmm. because it made like a sound and it was shaking and I thought someone was underneath my bed. But that was like probably nothing. Nothing compared, compared to what you guys felt. But something because of that, or I don't know why, say, but it might, yeah. I knew immediately what it was. That's crazy that you knew immediately because I, I, I mean, in my mind, I don't think that's where my mind would have gone. Several people that were in the square were like, we thought like it was a bomb or we yeah. thought it was like a low flying plane something or like something that. else. And I'll say for me, cause I was in bed when it happened, I had kind of sat up like crisscross and I was like, this can't be what I think it is. And then Riley came out of the bathroom and I looked at her and said, is this an earthquake? And she said, yeah. And she initially tried to run, and I was the one that told her to stay. My thought was, if this building collapses and we are in the stairs, we are under how many more feet of rubble by being in the stairs versus being on the top floor? So my mind went to, if this building is going to collapse, where are better chances of surviving? Yeah, I, I think my first reaction was just, we need to get out because yeah. the building, if it falls. Because my mind was like, oh, we're on the top floor, we're on the top floor, like that's not good. But really, it probably is good. It's better because if the building does collapse, you're on the top. I mean, it started like, initially it started okay. Yeah. And then it got really, really violent. And were you scared? Like, were you, what were you thinking? Um, it was just kind of like, we got to ride this out because we knew yeah. it would stop. Like, it's yeah. not like it's going to go on for like four minutes or anything. Okay. But when it's happening, it feels like forever. It does. And, but you're, you're kind of bracing, you know, like at first I'm like, get your shoes on, let's go. And then she's like, let's stay. Yeah. And then it got worse. And so then we just kind of like grabbed arms and we're just like riding it out in the middle of the room yeah wow. i literally was like on all fours on the bed and riley was standing like at the foot of the bed and we were literally like almost holding each other's elbows like yeah. trying to ride this thing out 
That's so scary. Because everything was falling <clears throat> off the walls. And so we just were like, let's just stay in the middle, which I don't know if that was smart because the chandelier was above us, but. When she says chandelier, it was like a small. Yeah. Th- it, w- it would have felt like getting anything, hit with a tennis ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think your mind would have been so adrenaline crazy. It would have, yeah, it wouldn't have even wouldn't phased even you. Yeah, it. Yeah. So once it stopped, uh, all I had was my phone. Probably should have grabbed something. Maybe my passport. I have a fanny pack with all my important things in it and I didn't think to grab it. So I take my phone, but Haley's over here is worse than me because she didn't even grab her phone. I grabbed the key to the room. By the way, this room is not like a like a Marriott hotel like where you slide your key in or it taps. This is a physical key with a physical lock that like, it's like, it's like a, a deadlock. No, it was like a... Yeah, so one like, like one lo- close the door, it was like a bathroom stall that you had to lock is what oh it looked goodness. like. Yeah. So, but big. We didn't even lock it. And I remember even as she was running out and I was like, do you think we should lock the door? She was like, just leave it. Yeah, right? Well, it doesn't she, matter. Well, what, get out. It was interesting because I think in that moment you were thinking about the passport, but... Uh, that's what I was thinking about. Our minds yeah. didn't go to grab it. You know, we no, were just like, get out. Death. It was like, yeah. get out of here. Because, Nothing else matters. Because, yeah. you know, now we know from research that normally aftershocks are a little bit lower than the initial magnitude of the initial earthquake. But I was under the impression that they could be worse. And well, so... Someone had told us that in the square as we were waiting. They can be worse. Say, say you have one that's even slightly the same magnitude as what it was. Still and the, bu- the buildings are already cracked and stuff. Then, you know, so yeah. the initial reaction was like, get out. I don't think we've said this yet, but the earthquake was a 6.8. It was a 7 on the Richter scale. It was a 6.8 on whatever, whatever the European or whatever scale is, but the Richter was 7. How does it feel knowing that you went through that? Like, you hear about it, you see about it in, you know, California. Like, that's the closest thing that we hear and see about, like, major earthquakes like that here. Well, I think for me... The uniqueness of the situation is that places like Indonesia, anyone in that ring of fire, like, is, you know, the West, the West Coast, they are prepared for that. They know that they're in a region where there are earthquakes, tsunamis, and volcanoes. They're built for that. Like, I mean, there's a big fault line in California where they know that there's going to be frequent earthquakes. earthquakes. But the thing about Morocco is they weren't prepared I think. And it's not very common. And we haven't said this already. They did have one in the 60s, but that earthquake was the worst earthquake they've had in 120 years. By magnitude, it was the worst in 120, not by death toll. Yeah. So I think it's just the way that people reacted. There was just a lot of confusion and a lot of chaos. No one really stepped in. No police came in and intervened. No one was organizing anything. It was just kind of like, what do we do from here? So, to kind of explain where our Riyadh was, there are, like, main alleyways in the Medina where there's a lot of shops. You know, motorcycles are coming down, there's a lot of foot traffic. And then there are alleyways off of that where you get into your Riyadhs. Like, a lot of Riyadhs are not on that main shopping drag. They're kind of tucked back behind. So, just to explain kind of where our Riyadh was. So, we were close to that main square, but we turned down a road, or an alleyway. So, there was one alleyway that was, you know, a bit wider. And then as you walk down that alleyway, you turn to another alleyway, and it was very tight. It was small. I mean, what do you think? Two people side by side could fit through it? It was a very... I mean, I don't think we could have fit through if we were standing side by side with our backpacks. Like, it wouldn't have... Yeah. It was a tight squeeze, and 
as you walked up to our Riyadh, there was a door. You could see the door. And then to the left, or sorry, to the right, there was the office. And that door was always open. And it kind of was like your first person you saw that was like, hey, like, let me open the door to the Riyadh and you can come inside. Like, they kind of kept that main door shut. And then you saw the office first, which was another separate door. So just to kind of explain, which we'll probably post the main picture that we have to explain what that looks like. So going back to when we decided to leave and I don't know about Haley but the, just this just is over the entire experience other than being displaced from where we were staying and where do we stay and that there really is a sense of like like you were asking earlier like where did you how did you know where to go or mm -hmm. whatever there's like a internal thing that's like okay like we need to get away from these buildings yeah like we need to get away from any building that could fall so mm -hmm. that was really where everyone went naturally Wow. There was no one there that was like, go, go that here. way, go yeah. that way. Or, I mean, I think our hotel guy did say go to the square, but I, I think we would have gone there anyways because it's just big open space with no, I mean. Nothing the, to yeah, fall on you. Nothing to fall on you. Yeah. It was just a lot of survival instinct, which is surprising that when you see that many people in a square, you realize everyone has that same survival instinct. I want to say, though, too, when we got out and we were kind of in that main off the square street, there were two guys I remember that were standing out there and like people were running out of our Riyadh, like in their whitey tighties, like people were in bed and there was two guys just kind of laughing at the people in the whitey tighties. And I remember thinking like, tidy whiteys, tidy whiteys, tidy whiteys. And I remember thinking like, they were laughing and it confused me. When it, we first walked it out. Was, nobody else was on that side street. Everyone had already gotten out. They were so like, we were like, like, like laugh, like it was like they were not bothered or phased by it. They were like so laughing. I remember thinking like, was it really construction? Is this all in our head? And it was this moment where it was like, was Am it I an earthquake? Yeah, it was kind of, yeah. it was so confusing because they're making, I mean, they're standing still in a place where if buildings were to collapse that road would have been completely covered but the thing is about the earthquake it really is like that 10 seconds you know and there were a lot of videos of people being like okay it's over like it's over like our building's standing we're fine we're on the roof we're fine like once it's over I don't know if it's people that have been through it or know more about it but once it's over like a lot of people were rel relatively calm there was a concern of aftershocks but I only saw a couple women and they were Muslim women, probably from the city, bawling, crying. But everyone else was just like, okay, like, what do we do now? You know what I mean? So go back to how we got out. So we ran down the stairs. We have our shower flip-flops on. Old Navy. Sponsor us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and as we round kind of the second floor, like, the air was full of that dust. I don't, I mean, I think it's like cement dust. It's definitely not, don't breathe it. Because Haley was coughing for a schminny after so we get around the second floor we get down to the first floor and like it was almost like you couldn't really see honestly and i could just hear the manager praying like singing praying and he was very shaken up and rightfully so because i'll explain why so as we round the corner everything is covered in cement the pool has stuff all in it and we go over to the office area, which, like I said, that door is always open. Yeah. And it's covered in just things are thrown everywhere. Like, they had, like, things set up on the desk, whatever. It's just thrown. And 
we kind of round the corner to get out because he's like, we need to get out. And there's just a pile of rubble, which my initial reaction in that scenario is we can't get out because it was very, it was very high. Like it was like we were climbing over it to get out. So I probably scared some people because I was like, hey, we, I don't think we can get out. But he's, guess we can. And so we climbed over it. But yeah, what had happened was the wall in the alleyway, the other building. Our Riyadh was like in a U shape. And so the door to our Riyadh was like at the bottom of the U. And then the office was like another side of the U. And this wall that collapsed was the other side. Yes, which was someone's home. And you could see like directly in. There were couches and TVs and... That's awesome. So we climbed over it and probably at that moment should have been like, hey, let's go grab our things. But we just were like, let's get out. So we all- Things don't matter when yeah. you're like fighting for your life. Yeah. And trying to get to safety. So yeah. So we had to climb over that, which was not common when we were talking to people in the square. Like most of them were in restaurants or there was some dust and they were just left their hotel. They didn't have to climb to get out. So yeah, we definitely had a unique experience. So, you know, your question earlier, like how did you feel Mm -hmm. to survive that? I really just feel blessed because if the wall had fallen any closer to the door, we would have been trapped. Now, like I said, there were no outer windows. There was a roof. And like I said, the buildings are connected. So we probably would have had to climb to another building to From then the roof? Yeah, probably. Wow. Because there like I said there was really no intervention like at, by like the entire time that this was going on, there were no police or anyone that went up and were like by the hotel like addressing the pile of rubble. Wow. Yeah. Like I'm sure they would have called somebody and been like, "Hey, we're trapped." Yeah, but think of all the people that did call that were trapped or injured. Yeah. So I think it would have been a while. Yeah. So Riley made it down before I did. And so I was still, I think, one floor up. So. Damn, you slowpoke. Well, <laughs> maybe it wasn't like You that. were right behind me. What do you mean? I don't know. I don't know. In my head, you, you were. You felt like you were being So slow. far behind yeah. that. Well, okay. Before we continue, let me just say that Haley was in this weird trance almost. Like she was like there, but not there. Like she would just be staring into nothingness. And then she would just hop up and run away. You know, like it was very. What? Uh, well, we'll get into that. But yeah, she just was not all the way there. Like at one point, like we were walking. There was one point when the police were like, go to the police station for no reason. There was no one there talking to us. They were just like, everybody go to the police station. So when we were walking over there, she was straight up sprinting. No concern of me behind her. And I was like, Haley, Haley. you got to slow down. Like, and she's like, yeah, I'm sorry. It was just, <laughs> she's not there fully. And so maybe that's why she doesn't, she doesn't recall this. I remember looking over and seeing that dust coming over the pool. It didn't even occur to me that that wall had fallen. So I thought stuff was falling in from the ceiling for a second. But then when we got down there, I realized the wall had collapsed. Yeah. But when we climbed over it, I think it's something we should say is that there was also live wire. Like the power didn't go out at our Riyadh. Like the AC was still working. So we climbed out over live wire and like nails. And there was a lot of stuff in that rubble. But I remember you and the manager went out first and then I came out and he was still so shaken and shocked. He almost stepped back on top of the rubble to try to like hold me, like to help me get down. And I remember I just kind of paused and I said, I'm okay. I got this. I can do this. Because he was so flustered. I, it almost didn't, well, I second feel like just reassuring him that like, we're okay. I think of 
all of us in the entire Riyadh, his life was definitely threatened the most because he was in that office space with an open door when this rubble fell into his space. Like, he could have been hit in the head by something. It could have fallen into the door. Like, luckily there was a door frame there because they say that the door frames are strong. But the other main door was blown out. It was gone. What do you mean blown out? Like, it had come off the hinges and was in the Riyadh. Wow. Because of the rubble. Like the rubble was inside the Riyadh at that, so it, on that side. it crumbled and went into the Riyadh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, oh so gosh. for him to not be affected, because like, I wish I had taken a picture of kind of like his office space, but, but yeah. there was a, a desk and then part of the desk lifted up and was like a walkthrough. That was how tight the space was where that door was. So he was literally right by the door wow, when all that terrifying. fell. So he, that's why he was praying and really yeah. shaken up because, I mean, he... He could have been smashed. Yeah. So we were trying to take it easy on him because I think we all were looking to him for guidance mm-hmm. because this isn't our country. What do we, you know, he's responsible for at least 10. We saw at least 10 people, including mm-hmm. us, that were in the hotel at the time looking to him for answers. Yeah. And then he basically almost just had like a near-death experience. So yeah. he told you go to the square. Yeah. But like I said, I think we, we were you going know. there. Yeah. Yes. You actually stayed. I don't know if you remember that, but you stayed right there by the rubble to, like, help people get out. I bolted. (laughs) I was gone. Which is Um, why I saw the guys in the street laughing. Because I actually... This is what I'm talking about, where Haley's just, like... I zoned. I think I disassociated so fast from the situation that I just was, like... So we know she ain't a helper. She's a runner. (laughs) Which is surprising, because usually... But usually I freeze. But I think my initial reaction was to just get away from the rubble. I would be, like, sticking together. I actually... You guys had, like, your own separate experience. Yeah, but I, like, went back in for you. I was only out there for a second, and I realized you weren't out there, and my thought was, like, she's still in there. Like, she's in danger. Although I can't really say what I would do, because I don't know. Rachel, you would have been annoying. (laughs) You would have been the worst person to have in that situation. I'm not gonna lie. I I probably wouldn't have listened to you, and I probably would have been, like, get me out of here We literally even talked about in the moment, like, what we would have done with you there. I and I remember Riley hands. being like, I would have knocked her out and we would have just dragged Dragging her body her somewhere. I would like to think I'm good in an emergency. And I no, would definitely... No, you're not. Really? I mean, I, I will say, though, like... Maybe. Maybe I'm I think not. when it's not <laughs> you in the emergency, you're yeah, good. I also, you don't, know, like... You just don't know until you're there. You don't there. know until you're yeah. there. I mean, you can't. What are you going to do? You know, like I said, there were a few Muslim women panicking, crying, screaming, running. And but they didn't do was... anything but scaring other people. So I think in that split second when we got out of the rubble, my first thought was to run, to get away so other people could get out. Riley was, I think, and her instinct was more like to stay there and help. I also was waiting to hear what he had to say. Because this is his country. He knows you know if he was gonna tell us to you know there's an embassy down the corner like I don't who knows so I think I was also looking for him to say what we should do next because that's my the way that I react in any scenario whether I'm depressed sad happy whatever it's okay what's next what am I what am I striving for now what do we do now so I think that was you're a planner yeah yeah so that was what I was looking for and I also wanted to help other people get out but as Riley and I were standing there in the alleyway there was people running deeper into these side streets because they were going to check on their family like they knew the risk they were taking but they were like I got kids I got husbands like and I would say like a lot of the people we'll get into it later but like that square stays open to like 3 3 a.m so it's like an all-night thing so a lot of people that were in the square 
were like the pe like the market people. They were cleaning up their stuff. They were getting their carts. That was another thing that I thought was interesting. The people that lived there, they were still locking up their shops. Like they weren't. They were not playing. It was over. That that's the thing. It's like once that initial ten seconds is over, a lot of people were relatively calm. And so yeah, locking up their shops closing down all their little stands in the square. There was at one point when we were in the square that there were there was a cart coming through with like one of the whatever, the tents and setups that they have. And they were saying, excuse me, excuse me. And everybody panicked because it, they thought, they were like, ah! And like, that's the problem when you're in mass crowds is there's yeah. a lot of like easily triggered, which I've told her already is I'm kind of glad that we were in our Riyadh. Obviously, if we were trapped, I wouldn't have been glad we were in a Riyadh. But when I look back at videos of people that were in restaurants and stuff, everybody panicked. Standing up, trampling people. like Because that was what was nice is we were in our room. We could process it together and we could decide what we wanted to do. Yeah. But in those situations when you're in a public scenario, you can't control other people. And people kind of bounce off of each other like... People kind of go off of other people's energy because they're like, oh, you're freaking out? I should freak out too. Oh, before we continue, we should preface that there was a aftershock 19 minutes after the main earthquake. It was a 4-6, I think. 4.6. I did not feel it. Other people did that were more, like, stable, like, sitting down on the ground and stuff. Like, we were standing and moving and... We knew it was coming. We knew something was happening because the birds were freaking out. And they kept telling us to push back, push back. And we saw the birds start flying from the same alleyway our Riyadh had been down over the main square. So we kind of knew what direction the earthquake was coming from based on the birds. Which is a very eerie thing. It's like you see it and you know it's coming before it happens. The animals know it first. So yeah, they're, they're they freaking out it. and whatever. They, once they got over the square, they were circling like this. And oh, stuff. Wow. So and so late at night too, because birds aren't usually out. Yeah. Very late at night. So yeah, d I didn't feel it, but that was also eerie when we first got out into the square. It probably was you know ten minutes after it happened, and we're standing out there, and then everyone's just kind of like starting to look up, and we're like, "What's going on?" You know. Wow. It, it's crazy how you can have a seven or six point eight seven, and it's like the most violent thing ever, and then you have a four point six, and you don't even really feel it. That's you know crazy. what I mean? When we were in the alleyway shortly after it ha I mean maybe not even 10 minutes after it happened we saw people walking out of the alleyway covered in I don't know if it was dust if it was soot or whatever you call it no it's that yeah it's like the cement dust or whatever it's like dust from the rubble they were just covered in it but they also had blood dripping down them from their heads so they got hit somewhere in the head by something that had fallen and it was just dripping down both of them and I remember Riley looking at me and being like, do we need to check on them to see if they're okay? And I was like, I think they're walking to help. Because they didn't look at anybody. They didn't ask for help. They just walked like it was just yeah, it almost looked the like twins. Just... Like they were covered in white. Covered in dust. And it wasn't just one head cut. It was like multiple. Because I mean, I watched them for I, like the I entire... I saw a gash on the side of the head. So I knew there was at least one. Did you ever hear any sirens, ambulances, yeah. police cars? Yeah, but not right away. Okay. It was about it was about 30, 45 minutes in. Did it kind of feel like the end of the world when mm. all of that was going on? It, Were you like, this is so chaotic? To me, it felt like the end of our world. Because I knew it's not everywhere. This is not a worldwide earthquake. Yeah. While it was happening to me, it felt like the end of our world. Because it was so huge to us. But n 
knowing that like here in North Carolina you you don't feel it you don't know what's happened until you looked at the news like did you think about any of your family like oh crap I needed to tell my mom oh so we didn't even mention that we don't have anything Haley doesn't have her phone my phone was on four percent so the first thing I did was I called my mom and I said well she answers the phone hi right <laughs> she's all happy yeah I'm like mom listen please don't panic don't freak out my phone is about to die there was just an earthquake I said, we're fine, but we had to climb out of our Riyadh, like, over rubble. I was trying to get to the point that we don't have any of our stuff. That's what I said. I was like, we don't have any of our stuff, and we had to climb out of our Riyadh. And I think in that moment, you try to tell someone, because when you see on the news a 6.8 earthquake, and you kind of know people are going to find out before that you have, you know, if you don't say anything, they're going to know. Yeah, but do you know that it didn't come on the news until the next day? We when we googled it, it said it was on Google, but it wasn't on the national news yet. Yeah, nobody had reported on it till the next day. No, I didn't know that because it happened so late. That would at make night. sense. It was on the news the next day, but my mom said the night of there was nothing, nothing, nothing on there. Yeah. It was on yeah. Google because they were literally like live posting. Like when I was In like Morocco. when I, yeah, because I was when we finally. Long story short, we met up with this couple. We ended up switching SIM cards because she didn't have data, and I had, I had data plan. I just didn't have a phone because my phone was dead she had 40 percent battery and i have known from swapping many a sim cards i told riley i said why don't we swap sim cards so i sacrificed my earrings to open up they're gone sim cards i still don't have earrings in yeah because she the other girl hadn't been able to talk to her family she hadn't been able to tell them because she didn't have any service so it was like a win-win for both of us yeah we didn't even know the magnitude at that point that's when we googled it and i was like when was the last earthquake here and in real, I mean, it was like real time. It was like the last earthquake was September 8th, 2023. And I'm like, excuse me, I want to know like oh my prior, like it was yeah. like fast from on Google. But yeah, we wanted to know, you know, what are the aftershocks like? How long is the window? Which just so you guys know, windows are like one to three weeks can be months of aftershocks. There was wow. one on the 14th. Mm-hmm. That was a four, another 4.8. Looking back, and I think I even said to you, like, within a couple hours of this, all of this happening, I said, what is so wild about all of this is that we didn't know the magnitude. We didn't know what areas were affected. We knew nothing other than right where we were. Google knew more. Like, you guys in North Carolina almost knew more than we did, and we were living in it. Yeah, because Riley texted me. It was like, my mm-hmm. phone's dying. We were in an earthquake, but we're okay. So immediately I Google and I see 6.8 magnitude earthquake mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm not going to lie. I don't know anything about earthquakes. So I was like, how we bad didn't is either. that? Yeah. I was like, how bad is that? But like, obviously in my head, I was like, that sounds like a bad earthquake 6.8. And then when I Googled it, I was like, oh my God, like this is serious. I realized like, yeah, this is bad. So just for like context. So a 6.8, like we said, seven on Richter, you know, there's different scales for different things. Haiti was a 7, which absolutely flattened Haiti in 2010. That one absolutely flattened Haiti. They were still living in tents five years after when I went there. The one in Turkey that was so devastating this past year was a 7.8. And then Nepal was... Um, Didn't Nepal's, like, flatten Kathmandu? Yep, 7.8 as well. Wow. So just for context, like, Haiti's buildings are not properly built. Yeah. So that's why 7 was so devastating for them, but... 7.8 is, I mean, only 8 higher than what we experienced in absolutely destroyed cities. So it was definitely violent. So, yeah, we kind of just stayed in that square for a while to 
we were looking for our manager. We were like, okay, let's just ride this out a couple hours, like, see if there's any, like, quick aftershocks. And then, but this whole time we're thinking, okay, we got to get back in and we got to get our passports. We're, because that's the other thing is that country is cash heavy. So we had no cash. I had a credit card. That was it in the back of my phone. And the, the couple that we were with didn't have any money either. And they were like, we don't even know how we're going to get water. I remember he walked up to a stand and asked for water and said, they don't, we don't have any money. And at first the guy was like, you know, I'm not. And then finally he did give it to him. Okay. But it was going to get chaotic for us to not have our things because yeah. we didn't have a phone. We didn't have any money and no place to sleep. Obviously, we can't sleep in a place with a blocked alleyway. Yeah. And I think for me in that shortly after it happened, I think right around the time of the aftershock, so about 20 minutes after the initial earthquake, you had said something about like, what is our next step? Because it is this weird calm where it's, you know, you've just had the earthquake, but aftershocks could happen any minute. And the they say that hour after the initial is the worst. That's the window where the next big one could happen. So you're kind of waiting. We didn't know that though. We had to Google that by the way. We are not earthquake people. We're hurricane people. <laughs> yes. So in that time, when you had said, what do we do next? As someone who's had their passport stolen, my immediate thought was, we can't do anything till we have a passport. We can't check into a hotel without a passport. We can't get on a plane without a passport. We cannot do anything. So I was hyper fixated on the passport. I was like, I'm going back in. We're going to have to get the passport. Yeah, no, this is not 20 minutes. This is like maybe as soon as we got into the square, Haley goes, I'm going back in. And I said, excuse me? No, you're going to wait a couple minutes. Like, no. Because I think your concern also was being stolen. Yeah. Just from, like, that trauma of your past. So, I think... <laughs> trauma. I think, you know, that initial... She's like, I, nobody, I'm like, nobody is going to climb over rubble, go to the fourth floor, a.k.a. the steal fifth floor, passport. and steal your passport. Under the... Which we had also hidden. It, we had hidden it. So, I'm like, there's no way. Like, calm down. We need to, we need to wait this out and see what happens. You know, kind of after this all happened, it was kind of just like, everyone was like, what do we do? And it was, it was relatively calm, honestly. Like, I didn't feel chaotic. The, the guys that we saw were really the only ones I saw that were bloody. I, I, don't, I didn't really see many injured people, like, in, in that square area. Like she said, the police were trying to move us at one point to a certain area of the square. This is a very large square, by the way. This isn't just, like, a small, like, intersection. This is a very large square. But it was, like, a guy driving a Vespa, and there was one police officer on the back. I don't know if the Vespa driver was a police officer, if he just found a guy on a Vespa. <laughs> like, I don't know who the Vespa driver was. But they kept telling us to move towards this, like, police truck and police station. But when we walked over there, I mean, they weren't taking names. Like, they weren't taking nationalities. Like, they weren't giving instructions. There was no, like, go over here if you need medical help. But I think looking back, the point was to get us as far away as they could from like the major buildings. And I think that was the point is if there is an aftershock and these things collapse, we want you away from them. This is like the point where I don't, I don't know if like an hour out, like Haley just tranced over. Like at first she was in a trance, but like I didn't recognize it. Cause I, I mean, I was like, I don't hold people's hands. I remember I reached back for you. Cause mm -hmm. I was, I mean, when we initially walked out, it was like, it was a lot. It was like yeah, it was like scary. five minutes. I think of just I even said you was like, chaos. "Sorry, my hands are clammy because I was like <laughs> so distraught over what just happened." You're yeah. like, "It's fine." Anyway, so about an hour hits, and we are just like, 
okay, like, it's one in the morning. Or I think it was, like, two hours. I mean, it was, like, pushing one, right? Yeah, and I had my Fitbit on me, so I could tell the time. But, like, if we didn't have a... Like, if I didn't have my watch on, we would never have known, like, how long we were out there for. Well, we had the other couple with I know, phone. but until we found them, we didn't know. Yeah. Like, we had probably been out there 30 minutes by the time we had met them. Yeah, Wait, yeah, yeah. were they American? One was American, one was from the UK. Yeah, so we were just kind of, like, scoping out the crew that we knew was in our Riyadh, for one, and then, like, kind of see what they were doing. We kept looking for them, and then we were looking for that manager, because we just wanted the okay that we could go back in. You know, had this been in the U.S., like, no way in hell they would have ever let us back in that building, but since there was no, you know, intervention in by any means, we were hoping at some point they'd let us back in. So, yeah. Haley sees our manager... And no, I didn't see the manager. I saw four people that we had talked to previously okay. in the Riyadh, and they were walking towards the Riyadh, and I saw them, and I was like, they may have more information than me. So I jumped up and ran towards yeah, them, and she, I tried first to off, tell she, you. She jumped up so fast that she scared all four of us, or three of us, okay. and she ran off and was like, I'll be right back. And she just bolts, right? Mind you, we're kind of in the area where, like, the archway is for, like, our hotel. So there really isn't a lot of people in front of us. And I cannot, like, 10 minutes, 15 minutes pass, don't see her. I Finally, I tell the, these this couple that we're with, I'm like, can you just wait right here? Like, I don't want to lose you because they had my SIM card still. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to go walk over there and see if I can see her. Like, I'm confused. I didn't know you did that. Walked oh, over, right. walked over, like, walked around the people, still didn't see her. And in my head, I'm going, if I move from the spot to go look for her and she's not at the Riyadh, then she we're going to be looking be for yeah. her, each other all night long. Yeah. So I'm standing there, like, about, I'm, like, getting, like, an anxiety attack. Like, why the heck did she jump up and just leave me? Sometimes in those situations, like, well, no, I think it always does. It turns to anger, where I'm like, F you. I hate you. <laughs> I kept telling the couple, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're about to see us fight. He was like, I feel like you have a right to be mad. I'm like, I know, but I'm going to not be very nice. I was like, I just want to warn you right now. So when she comes back, I was like, that was effed up. Like, don't you ever do that again. And she just still was like tranced over. Now you think about it, I was like, <laughs> you feel sorry, bad? I scared you that bad. In that moment, to me, my parents have always been like, when parents fly together without their kids, they're like, do we fly together? Because if one plane goes down... I'm sorry, I, my parents lose, have never had this no, conversation. No, but my parents have had, had this conversation because one of their really close family friends, his parents died in a plane crash. So in my head, it was, why do we risk both of our lives? Why would should both parents lose a child when we could lose just one? Because you're not siblings. You have different parents. So no, you, but my thought together. was, why, why should Riley's parents lose her? But the thing is, what you guys don't understand, is when she followed them, they went to the Riyadh, and the guy was letting them in one at a time. We didn't talk about this. That's what happened. Yeah. And so Haley was in the line, and she was going to, first off, this is, she was about to go in the Riyadh by herself and get all of our things and come out. Mm -hmm. So that's why it took so, I mean, it was like pushing 30 minutes. It didn't feel like 30 it minutes. Because I was like waiting, like dying to get inside. Yeah. Like. Well, because they were going in one at a time. So someone would come in, go in, go get their stuff, come out. Like it was yeah. a long time. I, to me, it felt like maybe 10 minutes. I was going to say, did it never cross your mind? Like, oh, I've left Riley for Well, a while. I thought I like, in, in my mind, I was like, I should go get Riley. But I was like, I'm also going to lose my place in line. And if there's an aftershock, they're not going to let us back in. It was a whole process of, do I go tell her where I know she is? 
and I know I'm okay, or do I go in, get all of our stuff, and we just get out? How long was the walk from your Riyadh to the square? It wasn't like, long. Like I could have gone. Maybe I could have gone to her, but the problem was is that I couldn't. I didn't want to not be standing where we had left and her be looking for me. No, I'm not yeah. thinking about you. I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking. Yeah, like person, why didn't she run the back behind you? I would have been like, if they spoke English, I'd be like, can can you please just like wait for me i will be right well, back i need to check on my friend that is here with me like i'm gonna come yeah. right back from my place in but life. this is what i was saying with the trance she just wasn't there yeah i have never been in a situation like this and typically i freeze which makes sense because it's almost like a trance state where i just like almost disassociate from the situation immediately. so you just and like, even, didn't know what and even do. when i reamed her out she didn't really respond like she was kind of like I got a big old F you when I got back. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I was, I, well, because she was, I was mad. I was, and you had every right to be. Something happens to her, and I don't know where she is. I'm going to be, all I'm going to be doing all night long looking is looking for her. for her. Like, even now, I feel bad about it because the fear, like, you probably had sitting there. By yourself. Well, and, you know, like, the phone, and I just being separated is never, to me, like, I... My mentality is we're better together. Same. That's just, and I think that she was just in a different mental state. And I think that, like, the reason we're talking about it is because I think it's important to, like, realize how differently people react in these type of Mm -hmm. scenarios. And also to try and, as much as you can, to keep a level head of, like, you know, in these situations, things can get hazy and fuzzy. And I think you just always stay together. I I think that's important. Moving on from that. So, she comes back. She tells me that we're going in one at a time, which was a relief. So and I go in first. Yeah, she went in first because they were saying one at a time. And we were the last ones to go in. So he, I think he was just done with being responsible for us. And he was like... He was also, I will say, he checked us into the Riyadh. He explained the city to us. He was showing us a map. And I noticed as he was pointing at the map, he had a ring on. So I also knew somewhere he had a family he's probably worried about. He like He has a wife and kids probably that probably, he's thinking yeah. about. Can you imagine, like, you're a hotel manager and you have, like, 10, 15 people. Like, what do we do? You know? Yeah. Like, while you also have your own family. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, I don't know. He seemed like he was more involved in the hotel. Like, maybe he was an owner or something. He seemed more official than some he was other. at least a manager over the other people. Yeah. Like, he was yeah. higher up of some sort. So, he's got a hotel that he can't get into. And he almost died. And... A family somewhere. A family. And, you know, so I think... When I say that he didn't want to be responsible, he was just like, okay, you guys go get your stuff. Like, go together. So, was it not scary for you that you were like, okay, now we need to find a new place to stay? So, it was like, but was it like immediately like, we need to get out of this hotel, we're not staying in this hotel tonight. We knew we weren't going to be staying yeah. in that hotel because of the rubble. There's no way that, we were like, there's no way it's even safe. So you automatically knew, like, find a new place to stay. No. We knew, even if we I were in Marrakesh, that, no, we knew fir- we weren't staying in yeah. that Riyadh. We knew we weren't staying there, and I think the initial thing was like, like I said, I'm like a one, two, three person, yeah. like step by step. So up until the point where we got our stuff, that was not even a thought. We were just hanging out in the square, waiting for them to tell us we could get our stuff. Because mm-hmm. we couldn't do anything until we got our stuff. We couldn't pay a taxi, we couldn't do anything. And so that was what we were worried about at that point. Once we go in, and we come out with all our things, and you know, I had a battery pack, she grabs her phone that's been on a charger for this whole time. That was when we were like, now what do we do? I'm glad that we both handled it that way because it would have been too much i think to be like what do we do now like where are we gonna stay what do we because it was more of like this is the problem at hand is we need to get our passport and we need to get our money and all our things yeah, yeah. and uh, so like we said they were letting us in one by one they let i went first to go get the stuff as i'm in the middle like 
I have never packed so fast. I haven't either. We were both dripping sweat. Dripping. Of packing. I hear the door like fling open. But at first I didn't know what it was. So it scared me. And I thought, this is an aftershock. And then I looked up and I'm like, they let you in? Oh, yeah. I I should have announced myself. But I didn't. Yeah, (laughs) I just just, like busted in there. It like scared me for a second. Then I realized who it was. And we packed so fast it was kind of like i don't care whose stuff this is it's going in whatever bag it can fit in yeah like pack all your things honestly the so as i'm in the square i'm thinking to myself i don't know when the next time i'm gonna find a toilet (laughs) where am i gonna find a toilet so i sat my fine ass on the toilet when we got up to the room (laughs) i really did i thought she was going to pack her bathroom stuff and i came out and i said what'd you do this she goes i just went to the bathroom well you know you know i have pee anxiety right so the whole time i'm in the square i'm like where am i gonna pee we'll get to it later but when we got to the airport they weren't letting us in we had to sit outside for three hours oh my god so i would have had to pee outside somewhere with maybe people looking at me so i'm glad that i did that yeah so we get down to the bottom with all our stuff, all our souvenirs, everything salvaged. <laughs> thank the Lord. Great. Most of the all stuff the was in bags, though, already. Thank God. Like, well, the, the hard thing about taking the backpack is when you put your clothes on or when you need something from the backpack, Yip everything tape. has to come out. Oh, for sure. And so it was, it's not just like a simple, let's just throw everything in and zip it up like no, a normal yeah. bag. Like it is like strategically packed vacuum sealed bags yep. and so i didn't mine weren't vacuum sealed so they clearly could fit in there somehow i don't i don't know how they did but you didn't do suitcases no, no. we did the backpacks because we knew we would be in the sahara desert and we didn't want to have to wheel backpacks like in sand and stuff packing all your stuff in a backpack oh that's why we were dripping we were oh i i don't know gosh. about Haley, but i was literally drenched in sweat oh i had like like the back of my neck like at the hair was wet yeah. like because we were going so fast we were like if we're in here when there's an aftershock and that rubble falls even the slightest we are not getting out that's crazy so it shifts if more of that wall falls we're we're trapped so when we came down to the bottom there was nobody on top of the rubble which makes sense but there it just seemed like no one was there she goes they're not here and i literally said are you effing kidding yeah we're like hello like (laughs) so we we had like two double backpacks because we double like we have our big backpacks on the top and then we have another one on the like front. our personal like carry like fit yeah. under the Wait. seat in front of us Wait, what do you mean at the airport no, no this, this is, is like, trying to get over the rubble we have our big backpacks on mine's a 70 liter i don't know mine's a 60 liter out of the rear yes. yes so we have that's where all the clothes are and yeah. then we have another personal my boulder the one i took to puerto rico Your boulder my like backpack i carried in college like that's <laughs> just what I as had. big so we put that on the front, and then we put the other one on the back. Like, if somebody comes up and goes, dip, and you lose balance, I mean, you're falling. You're falling over. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so we each had a lamp and our fannies and everything. And so I'm just like, hello? Because there's no way we could, we would have fallen. There's no way. So you needed help I, getting over the uh, Over the thing, thing with all our him? stuff. Did someone end up helping you? Yeah, yeah so they, they were came, actually on the other were side like, of the rubble. Hello? We just couldn't came see over. them. Oh, okay. So, so they helped you get your stuff out. Yeah, and over. I mean, when we say but we were filled with, it was they maybe, were like the rubble yep. was like maybe six, seven feet high. Wow! Like, but we went for like I went first, and he was like I was just kind of tossing. He's like, "Be careful! This is live wire!" And I'm like, "Okay." Oh the last God. thing they needed we like, was anyone being electrocuted. Yeah, so we were like weaving it through like like a un, like under a wire of like yeah yeah. That's crazy. So. And the other thing was with that door there, the door was like nailed into whatever wall it was a part of at one point. So there are nails sticking up as you try to climb over. Wow. So that's why they were like, watch the nails, watch the live wire, watch literally everything. Because if you make one wrong step and something shifts, 
you could lose an ankle. Yeah. From here, we called Haley's dad, and he got us on the first flight out to Casablanca at five something in the morning. Yeah, so I called him when we got back to the square. I hadn't talked to either of my parents at this point. So I called my dad and I was like, do you know what's going on? He said, yeah. And I said, I need you to find us the first flight out. And I was like, if it is within Morocco, it needs to either be t to Tangier or to Casablanca. We knew we needed to go north. Casablanca was not in the affected area. Even though they did feel it, they just got kind of like the after. But they also said that they felt it in Portugal. That tells you how far away the yeah. people felt it. They said they felt it well, in Portugal. Well, yeah, and you can, like, for example, I think that's what we felt when we were, like, here in North Carolina. I think it was, like, we weren't in the, like, general circumference of the earthquake, but we felt it passed. Yeah. So she calls her dad, gets us on the first flight out at 5 in the morning. Getting a taxi was an ordeal. Everyone was trying to get a taxi. People were fighting. It was very chaotic. We ended up walking towards an area that was not as populated, that was very much just locals. Actually, at one point, we were just standing there waiting for a taxi, and this group of women that were sitting in, like, plastic chairs were like, are you okay? Do you need something? And we're like, we're just waiting for a taxi. Like, they were, like, concerned that we were in that area. Wow. And these um, three guys walked up to us, and they went, oh, so beautiful. And I remember just saying, is this really appropriate right <laughs> now? Is a good time? Do you Not think, the best time. Do you think this is what we want to hear right now? So then this guy, which this is a tip for later, um, but we'll talk about it now. This guy walks up and said, do you need a taxi? And then he flags down a taxi, which we could have easily flagged down. And then he approaches the taxi driver wanting money for finding someone to go in the taxi. And if they don't pay them, they get really angry. Anyways, it's just interesting that he literally flagged down the same taxi that Did we... Did the taxi driver give him money? He gave him a coin. Yeah. Wow. There was um, also someone else in the car with us, I will say. Someone yeah, in the front seat. A lot of people were sharing taxis. Every seat was pretty much full. Took He took us to the airport. He did overcharge us, but not a lot. He well, charged us 150 dirham. They said it should be, what, 50, 70 at the most? Yeah. Which, for context, that's, what, 16? 16 USD, yeah. Not bad for a taxi and an earthquake. Yeah, <laughs> um, not bad. And we knew we were being ripped off at 16. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I will say, though, when we pulled up, there were people standing out trying to talk to him, like, hey, can you get us a taxi out? And we're like, why are all these people leaving? Like, there were masses of people, like, in the parking lot, like, trying to leave. And we were like, what the heck is going on? Well, we get out of the taxi, we walk around the corner, and we walk up to, the, like, the doors, and they're saying no one can get in. Basically, every patch of grass outside of this airport is there were probably 6,000 people there that just didn't know where to go. We're told to go to the airport because we didn't say this, but when we got over the rubble, I said to the manager, what do we do now? And he said, these buildings are not safe. Go to the airport. That's wow. basically what he told us to do. He literally said, leave the city. That yeah. was verbatim. Leave the city. Because once again, we're in the window for aftershock. So he was like, just leave the city. Well, and there was really no knowing what, what buildings were affected, what weren't. Everyone affected in these riads are well, also now all looking for different places to stay. As we were in the taxi, the entire city slept on the streets. The entire city was sleeping in the square, sleeping in, and like, you know how, like, when you're driving in the city and there's, like, patches of green in between the two lanes? Sleeping there. Every, I mean, it was, like, the most chaotic. But when she was saying, like, it felt like their world was ending, it honestly just felt like a whole new dimension of, like, these people are just all their stuff they're sleeping on the street and it's just like everybody's doing it 
Yeah. And we would have had to do that. Yeah. For three days, people slept on the street. Not everybody, but a lot of people, at least according to the news articles we saw afterwards, were sleeping on the street for three days. That would probably have been what we had to do. Probably would have had to crash in the square. That's probably what we would have done. And we probably would have just taken turns sleeping because we had all our stuff. That was the concern. It's passports, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. a lot of these people are local. They don't, they have all their stuff in their house. They're just sleeping. But I just want to preface that by saying I did not feel unsafe not one time in Morocco. I think mm-hmm. before we went there, I was told very different things about it. And I wouldn't, like my dad was freaking out about being robbed, all this stuff. I would have felt completely fine. I, I don't think that I would have, we both slept at the same time because we're not dumb. Yeah. But I didn't feel like we were going to get jumped or something. It was like everyone is co- cohesively going through this experience. Yeah. And I think it's, you're weirdly trauma bonded to yeah. everyone. You don't know people, you don't speak their language, but there's a sort of unspoken respect. Yeah. For everyone going through this experience. Because well, you're good. all incredibly vulnerable in those moments. Yeah. So we had to sit outside of the airport for like three, four hours. People were sleeping. People were... We didn't. We did not. Luckily, we had a plan. I don't think a lot of these people had a plan. I think they just were like, let's go to the airport. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, I think... Yeah. like Because if like, we didn't have a flight... A lot of flight, people had phones that died, so they couldn't <coughs> call anyone to book anything. We luckily did. I had the power packs with like... There's like four charger things on the bottom with just the cords, and then mm-hmm. there's like two that like an actual prong thing can go in, but it's US, obviously. Yeah. So everybody was like walking over to see if we had I'm like just plug like I had like six phones around me there was there was one guy that was definitely Moroccan that couldn't really speak English yeah and I plugged his phone in and I think he genuinely could not leave until his phone was on like I because he was sitting in the airport and I don't know if why he was there yeah but he was sitting in the airport and he would come over and he would keep checking it, checking it. When it got when it got to about twenty percent, he took it off and he he literally left the airport. Oh, and he wow. was which I think maybe what happened was he walked back out to maybe where the check in desk were because he didn't know like his record he didn't know the code or something. Yeah. Because his phone was dead. But when he left he was like, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Or no, no, he said, You're welcome, you're welcome because oh, they get confused. Know. Anyways, so everybody's phone was dead. And, yeah, so we flew out, we went to Casablanca, we tried to get an earlier flight out, please don't ever do that, um, you won't, you'll have to pay two grand That's to do that. Luckily, we were flying out Monday. We were in Casablanca Saturday, and we were supposed to fly out Monday, so we were like, we'll just sleep today, maybe go to the pool tomorrow, which felt absolutely bizarre, going to the pool after an earthquake, but... It's better than sitting in the dark in your room. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then fly out Monday. So, that's kind of the gist. When we were in Casablanca, I don't know if it was like a trauma thing, but I did feel shaking twice. Like I felt like the bed was shaking and the one was when we first got there and we hadn't slept all night long. Mm-hmm. So don't know if that was... Did you tell Haley when it happened? Oh, she like... was sleeping. Okay. I was the first sleep time. And then the second time, the first time the water was moving, my water and my thing was moving. And then the second time I, it was, it just felt like everything was just kind of vibrating mm-hmm. and... I didn't have any reference to see if something was actually moving. But yeah, it was both when we were, like, it woke me up both times. Yeah. And so I don't really know if it was real. I do know that there are, like, undocumented aftershocks. They have they had said on the news that there were, like, 14 after. But if they're not within a certain magnitude, they don't really. I think if you saw water moving, then that was definitely an aftershock. 
But I hadn't slept all night. I don't know what I... Yeah. And we're also a little bit traumatized at that point. Yeah. yeah so true. who knows? But I, I do know that there were in turbulence on plane, so it's possible they were shaking and I slept right through it. So after everything happened and whenever you got home, like, how did you feel whenever you made it back home? I think coming back... It was kind of like the fight or flight mode had been on for three days. So when it came off, there was a whole lot of, I think, emotion that came out that was kind of hidden or just buried under stress. I also think coming back, there was different things where you realize that my entire life at that time felt like it had been turned upside down. And people over here were not affected by it or didn't even know what had happened. And you were kind of like, my world came to a screeching halt. And everyone is just living their life like nothing's happened. Which I think puts it into perspective of watching the news. We're so desensitized to these type of things that it's kind of like, oh, there was a tsunami in Japan. Okay, that's sad. Moving on. You know? Mm -hmm. I think it, like, will allow us moving forward to really, like, see the weight of that. And also, I mean, this is kind of morbid, but, like, when we see numbers of people that pass away on the news, we're like, oh. But then when you actually are, like, around that many people in one place that are all scared and stuff, and you see injured people, you're like, that's a lot of people. Yeah, and there were people that we had interacted with earlier that day, and I remember thinking, like, I don't know if they're alive anymore. Yeah. And I think that was another huge part where it was just like, you've met these people who are so nice and so welcoming. And you're like, I don't know if they're alive. And that I think was a really hard part was just realizing like, even though I'm safe, that doesn't mean everyone I've talked to or met is safe. Yeah. For me, I only cried once. It was the day after... So the day that we got to Casablanca, we went to sleep and then like we w- we only got like five hours of sleep. So I think after that first full night of sleep, so, you know, a day after, that was when I kind of processed all of it at once. It kind of just, I felt really guilty for us leaving and then us leaving the country and, you know, one, trying to leave earlier. Like it just felt like... Why, you know, if we're able to come visit, like, why can't we help? So I really had to, like, do a lot of research and stuff and kind of came to terms with the fact that, like, I'm not really equipped to help in this stage of what they're doing. You know, because even my thought process is, oh, if we had stayed in Marrakesh, like, I could help clean up or I could move rubble or I could look around, like, but really, like, there's such a process to that. It's kind of search and rescue they don't want to move things and it collapse and there's just an actual like architectural like you kind of have to know what you're doing so we would have just been in the way but in the moment before I did my research on all that I really did feel like a lot of guilt and we actually discussed going and giving blood because they were calling for blood donations but everything we read said resident citizens and stuff and so when we like the blood donation place was what like 45 minutes away would have been like a taxi and so we were like you know we're gonna get there what if they turn us away and then also the soccer team Mm -hmm. had just donated as well in the same location in Casablanca and so we were concerned that there'd be like lines out the wazoo 
Well, I had called two. I had called, I think, one or two centers, and both times, and I called twice, different points in the day, and I got busy signals both times. Like, their lines couldn't even, I think, handle as many people as were calling. So it was, from what we had seen and heard, there was such a huge influx of blood being donated. So we kind of were like, I guess, if we see anything change on the news, then, you know, we'll go. But for right now, we'll just hang tight until we see something else or until we get confirmation that we even could donate. Because we knew in Marrakesh they were taking tourists' blood, but we didn't see anything that said in Casablanca that that would be okay. Once that kind of door was shut, and also, like, if you know me, you know I'm terrified of needles. So me saying I would donate blood, like, really means that I was kind of distraught because I do not like needles. But I think my, like, attention shifted to kind of like okay like whenever everything settles and they're kind of rebuilding and stuff like I'm gonna try and find some type of like missions trip or some way to get back here the next six months to like help rebuild home a home or something like that versus like you know there's nothing I can do right now but I can look I mean I've been looking like every day at opportunities just to go back and maybe put some someone's pieces back together like as much as I can I mean I just want to help in some way and I obviously can't financially, so it's really, like, the only option I have. Yeah, so once I got back, my my focus just shifted to that. So I didn't really have a lot of, like, of what Haley was dealing with, where it was, like, that fight or flight goes away. I'd just kind of been chugging forward. But it was difficult. We got back on Tuesday, and I went to a concert on Thursday. And it was just difficult looking around and realizing, like you said, that, like, nobody even knows what's going on. or And so it's just crazy that you know, people, other people's lives, they don't even know how something around the world could be. Getting confused with the timelines now, it but did, yeah. Libya had also just happened with the flooding. And so we were seeing that and that's also in North Africa. So we were like, there is a lot of people's lives that have just been turned upside down in such a close geographical area that we were in. And it's just like, people are carrying on like, like the world is just dandy. Yeah. But I think you also can't live your life thinking across an ocean in a country that you know you have no ties to you can't let that affect your everyday life and maybe that's why we are so desensitized because we see it a lot more often now it was just something I think that was so shell shocking it's like people don't even know what I've just been through and not that they should but it's like it affects more people than those just in the country like there's people visiting there's people Mm -hmm. who are there for work who experienced it and I think that's just something that is hard because you an earthquake's not a little thing to live through especially at that capacity with the walls collapsing and things like that it's it was kind of a big experience I think a life in some ways life changing experience and you know you just get back and it's like some people don't even know what's happened well moving away from that just some ways uh, that you could help is obviously financially donations when natural disasters happen, a lot of companies come out of the woodwork and scammers and stuff. So um, I'm just going to list off a few that are like definitely legit. So just a couple listing off. Moroccan Red Crescent is a good one, which is an affiliate of the Red Cross, right? I believe so. Yeah, they like kind of are the same. UNICEF is a good one. They are, the do- donations for them are prioritized to help displaced children and families. There's the World Central Kitchen, which is a, apparently it's a celebrity chef that founded it. And he is providing sandwiches and food and stuff. 
Also the Food Bank of Morocco, providing food, Doctors Without Borders is another good one. Care Morocco is another one that helps like rural areas of the country. And then the High Atlas Foundation is helping like the people that were affected in the High Atlas Mountains. So those are just a few. But like I said, it's always good to just be cautious of where you're, what you're donating to because yeah, people want free money. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> so they come out and say they're giving it to Morocco and they're not. So you just got to make sure you're donating to the right place. But that's, that's all we've got. And if anybody has any like one-off questions of things we didn't cover, like shoot us a message on Instagram. Happy to answer anything. But yeah. All right. That is, I guess, the end of our experience with the earthquake. Next episode will be about Morocco, not about the earthquake. It'll be before the earthquake had happened. And we really just wanted to address this to go ahead and say, we acknowledge that this has happened. We acknowledge the disaster and kind of what comes after it. Next episode will be about the start of our trip in Morocco. And so we'll see you all next time.